0: Where are we going? Welcome to this exclusive podcast produced by Spirit Watch Ministries that will show where life in our darkening times is now turning and how you can avoid the detours of deception through the hope of biblical truth. The Lord Jesus in Matthew 24 warned us over two millennia ago and how urgently we need to heed Him now. Our host is Pastor Rafael Martinez, a seasoned Northwest Indiana-based minister, intercessor, and counter-cult apologist who will help you discern the journey of change we're all on as the last day of the last days now winds down. For more information, check out our Facebook page and our website at spiritwatch.org. Now, here's Pastor Rafael.
1: On our podcast today is a young lady by the name of Mila, who we met uh, secondhand on uh, a previous podcast with Ronnie, and uh, I appreciate the fact that she was so willing to come on and, and, and share her experience, and uh, and she I guess had, ran headlong into the the, the authoritarian commands of William and trying to make people uh, live as they as they wanted them to live. Uh, in a cult where uh, so much control is exerted over uh, how you're expected to live and interact with people, um, I mean, th- in a place like that, uh, the, 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 the game really is for the strong. Uh, you're supposed to be turned on and, and looking uh, so 100% all the time. You have to be looking like you really are on top of everything. And when you struggle a little bit, we well, don't quite fit in the mold. Um, uh um, that, that, that just tends to be something that began to be looked on very strongly. Uh, I really looked looked down upon very strongly. And, and, uh, today, uh, Mila, I'd like to just ask you, uh, in terms of, uh, your, uh, your coming on to, first of all, welcome you to our podcast. And then we'll, uh, again, we'll, we'll get, it, we'll get started to discussion how you, how you actually saw things there
2: yes thank you so much for having me I'm really excited to be on here today
1: okay uh, and I'm glad to have you it's been uh been a while we've been trying to do this but I'm glad we finally had a chance to spend time here together and and uh, as i said you were you' were, uh you had been in there I, I don't know how long you've been from my gather you weren't there but, but but a few years but I guess that was enough to for you to get a good perspective on things
2: oh yeah I was there for eight years I came in 2014. Crazy!
1: <laughs> wow! Yeah! <laughs> two, you were in from two thousand and fourteen. Two thousand and fourteen to
2: just recently. I, yeah, so I almost made ten years. I left last July of twenty twenty two. Wow!
1: Well, mm-hmm. how did you get involved? I mean, and it's—I mean—that's a long time to be involved with something. And yeah. What, what, what drew you in? I mean, and where were you at in life when when they, when you yes. crossed paths with them?
2: Um. So. I actually was neighbors with one of the, I think it was the girls' ministry house. Um, and at that time in my life, um, I was just going through it. I grew up with a family who provided a lot, but um, didn't really give me the sense of like love and when it came to the abuse that I endured so I was just kind of looking for what love really meant um so one of the girls like came over to one of the parties I was hosting and was like hey like you seem like a really cool person do you want to hang out and I was like yeah um and then this that was actually in 2013 and then the next year she actually reached out to me in 2014 and was like I don't know if you remember me but my um, I'm having a Memorial Day barbecue, and then afterwards we're having a little Bible study. And I was like, okay, like, I always grew up um, kind of agnostic, so I was, like, interested in uh, exploring my faith. So I went out, and it was great. Like, I went, and everyone was so kind and very loving, asking all about me. And I was like, oh, my God, is this what love is? And that's, that's how it. I got roped in <laughs> <Yes. laughs> because I was like, I just want to experience that. And they gave me what I thought love was going to be. Um, and it i I think it like took me maybe less than a year to see like some really big problems, but I think people have discussed this a lot on your podcast of like it is hard to leave Xenos because you get into a miniature house where you're paying like a hundred and fifty dollars in rent because there's like six or seven people in a house, and then you look what it looks like to live on your own and you can't afford it because you're working part time you're in school. And You're like I can't afford to leave this ministry house, so I kind of have to stick in it, you know. Um, and that was my thought. And then I actually got really involved with God. Um, and then things just went tumbling down. <laughs>
1: mm. Wow! I, so yeah, you said, you said you were living. You were you're originally from South Carolina, you said, and you, you, just, you moved to Columbus, and, and it was in Columbus that you met uh, these people at this ministry house uh, party.
2: Yes, yeah, so I moved to Shaker Heights in Cleveland um, when I was eleven. So I've been in Ohio for a while, but I still, you know, count South Carolina as my home. And then I moved to Columbus for Ohio State, and so I was there for two years, and then that's or one year, and that's when I met the first girl
1: I discipled with, and then okay. that's how she brought
2: me out. Yeah. yeah.
1: Wow. Okay. So, and you know, and and it's it's always so piteously uh, sad to me how. You know, the basic human need people have, you know, to be connected with each other, you know, to, to make friends, you know, to hang out, to have people to go through life with and spend, you know, spend positive times with, you know, uh, yeah. it's a very basic, very understandable desire that people are lured. People get drawn into uh, experiences that they wouldn't have gone any other way. And it's done in such a way where they are completely uh, side I mean, they, they, they don't see what's coming. Uh, they, they are, they are, have all these people standing around you, uh, telling you how great you are and how wonderful it is for you to be here and how, how wonderful it is to, to have you in their presence and there's all kinds of interest they make in you and then you're invited on here and there. So, um that's what all cults do. They have that love bombing stage and get people involved. So, uh How long did you was was that going on? I mean, and, and for most people, tell me it, it not long before they before they draw away and and let you just stand alone and just be part of of a, of a program. But uh, what was your experience after that? After, the, after all the love bombing, and, and, and how did it go from there? How did you get further involved?
2: Oh, it was terrible. <laughs> I will not lie. Um, so I have. Um, depression and anxiety and then PTSD. Okay. And I, okay. when I started going to Xena's, that's when I started getting into therapy and taking medication um, and so my life was just very hectic because the antidepressants they put me on were just not good for me. Um, and that's when I, I saw the love bombing stop because people just thought I was some crazy girl off her meds um, trying to be mean where, in fact, I was going to therapy, taking my medication. But what people didn't try to ask me or even research is how antidepressants can be good, but if they're not for that specific person, it's not going to be helpful. So I just remember kind of being like, I guess I would say off the edge, but also still having like my head, like, like not running around as crazy as I thought that I would be, but still having like some problems because I was like, I don't know what's going on. Like I'm freaking out. But I remember the biggest instance is, and this is like where the whole racism comes in. Um, I had a couple people who were non-Black and they were saying the N-word and I remember I would like try to sit down and talk to them being like, Hey, this isn't okay. Um, and I would tell my Black friends who were in the group that I was in, like, Hey, you have to stop telling people that they can say this word because one, it's disrespectful to us. And two, if they get that in they head, their head and they say that around someone who isn't us, they're going to get in a lot of trouble and it's <laughs> not going to be good. Yeah. yeah. Um, But I remember having a conversation with someone I thought was my friend, and they were like, you know, people feel like they have to walk around eggshells on you, around you, because you talk about racism a lot. And I just was sitting there like, isn't that a good thing? Like, from reading the Bible only for, you know, three months, I feel like God wants us to get rid of racism. I think he wants us to talk about that and get people who are, whether they're following God or not, to not say racial slurs. Um yeah, But yeah. once again, I was very naive and very lonely. I was like, I feel like if I speak out, they're going to kick me out and I'm not going to have anywhere to go. Mm,
1: right. So it's, yeah. It's a big thing for me. <laughs> so, so you so you so you really got you know evolved uh and you you sort so you say you move to a ministry house you got economically kind of dependent uh upon mm-hmm. upon the help to do that and at the same time you you're trying to straighten things out you're trying to read scripture trying to live a better life and then you're interacting with people on a, on a social level that 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 leads them to be into uh encounters with you which are uh, which are, uh, you know, not very, very uh, tactful, you know, right. using, using the N word for this and that just is it's not a sharp thing to do, regardless of right. what race you are. Uh, right. I, I mean, I realize that, you know, among, among African-Americans, you know, that, that there's a there's a certain social context there, mm-hmm. which they speak that 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 that. Really doesn't communicate well at all outside that. And when, and when right. white people try to act that way, uh, try to discuss that way, it, it gets, it gets, it gets ed, not just edgy. It gets, it gets kind of really, really racist. And, yeah. then, and sometimes the intent it, is there, but sometimes it is. It's hard to tell. And, um, so, so as you were studying, I mean, you said you, you came, you had an experience, you, 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 you turn. To Christ, uh, yeah. I said, and you had, you had experience with Him, uh, and, and, and you, you feel like you embraced Him and then began trying to walk in, in a way that would, uh, um, you know, certainly help you grow spiritually and, and know Him better. And then at the same time, uh, interact in the world better. And, and, and it became almost immediately from, from that point on, uh, an issue because of your own personal, your own personal struggles. Were these struggles as a result of, of um of an abusive past or just things that were going on in your life or or I mean you do mind do you mind elaborating on that a little bit more oh.
2: Absolutely not um I do want to put a trigger warning for anyone who is listening it is about sexual abuse but I was sexually abused by my brother for about 11 years growing up oh, my and my family really didn't take that the way that families or anyone should take it Um, so I really didn't have any kind of therapy until I got into college. I think I was 20 when I first went to my first therapy session and then medication, you know? Um, so that was a lot. Um, and navigating that, like I'm alone from like away from my family. I don't have anyone to talk to because I'm not just going to be like, hi, my name's Mila. I went through this abuse. Can you help me? Like, that's not cool. So it was all of these things just kind of like being put on me because I came to Xenos. I found out about everything I had um, mental health wise. And then I think like it might have been a year or it might have been less than a year. I was put into discipleship with another person. So I'm like this new Christian. I don't know a lot. And then they're like, Hey, you're going to disciple this person who's 10 years older than you. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, I don't think that you should put me in that situation, but. In their eyes, I guess I was the best pick, but I really don't know how they prayed about that because that was not a good idea for me to be discipling mm-hmm. someone so soon. And especially as I'm like navigating through my mental health,
1: you know? So yeah, so let's, let's, let's slow down a bit here. So you had gotten into, and this is important because I think you you're bring out very, I think you are bring out some very important things here, uh, helping us understand how Xenos uh, treats people. Who struggle. So you came, you got involved and then you got involved, started doing the whole, uh, bit by going to church and, 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 mm-hmm. and, and they wanted you to go through discipling. And then yeah. at what point, since you had never gotten there before, uh, did, was it a point at which you made mention of your obviously very deeply personal struggles with, uh, with a Zenos, uh, a leader or did you actually seek out professional counseling on your, or were you sent by Zenos to a professional counselor?
2: Um, so I talked to my disciple at the time, cause she also went through something similar. And so then I went to Zenos counseling so okay. I guess it really wasn't professional counseling. I'm not trying to be rude, but it, it's not the same.
1: No, no, it's um, not. I mean, they were either professionally licensed or they weren't. Were they just biblical counselors or something like that? Yes, they were biblical. Oh, counselors. Okay, so they weren't professionals. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah that's, that's all a right. good point. They weren't.
2: It wasn't professional therapy, so I didn't do that until later. <laughs> right. Um. So yeah, I and went to a biblical counselor.
1: So how did they? How did you end up getting up on um, on meds? Um, I, I mean.
2: So I went through Ohio State. Um, I was going through the biblical counselor, and then I, I was just feeling very low and very depressed. So okay. I was young, didn't understand health insurance, So I went to Ohio State, and then they set me up with a professional therapist. And then when I went to him, he diagnosed me after a couple of sessions and then put me on Wellbutrin, which was the drug that was
1: not good for me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you had two counseling counseling influences one and the one, um, they apparently try to handle, help you get a grip of your issue from their biblical perspective. And then you went to Ohio state for that. Okay. I, I misunderstood there. So I just want to make sure, because this is important to understand, you know, that, you know, in, in the, in the instance of trying to get help, you gotta be careful on, on, on who is helping you. you. You gotta be careful. You gotta be really Take heed, uh, to make sure you understand, uh, that the people helping you know their own limits. Now as you, did you, I guess, indicate to your biblical counselor that you were getting professional counseling and, and, and how did they accept that?
2: Yes, I did let them know because I think they ask you if you're seeing like a therapist outside of it, um, but being recommended by my discipler and a couple others to go to biblical counseling, um I don't think that there was a problem on that end. It okay. just was weird for me because I've never had a biblical counselor. I don't know what how that helps
1: me in my mental right. health right yeah, right and then so therefore, you started taking the meds and the meds were mm-hmm. you really having a struggle with them when you mm-hmm. have a really hard time, and they well, they i guess they—they were, they were affecting your mood of uh, your yeah. Yeah, and, and the way you were handling things, and 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 you know, of course, when you when you go under a a powerful drug for depression or any any anything anti any antipsychotic, any anti-psychotic mm-hmm. anything like that, uh, that's going to impact you. And different people have different reactions to it. And so as you right. went through that that time of of, of, of adjustment. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, and he, I, I guess I would assume at that point, because you weren't quite kicking it, you know, that, right. you, that you were starting to get fingered by, 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 by the counselors within the group, within Xenos slash Dwell, and they were really letting you know, hey, uh, you need to straighten up. You should be getting mm-hmm. better. Is, was that your experience?
2: Yes, exactly that. So I was on the medication. As I was saying, I was doing poorly. And I think people saw that because I was doing poorly that they assumed I wasn't taking my medication. Right. but since they don't, you know, research or ask questions. And I didn't even know at that point, because I was like, maybe there's just something wrong with me. Um, but I remember right. like, getting sit, sat down by the house leader and being told, like, if I don't get my stuff together, I will be asked to move out. And that just threw me in a spiral because, like I mentioned before, I'm like, well, where am I going to move? I don't know where to move. Like, I'm, you know, 19, 20, and I'm like, don't have a bunch of savings and la yada. da So I was freaking out and – kind of just started hiding my emotions and hiding my feelings and my mental health problems because I did not want to be in a place where I was homeless because I got kicked out of an organization that assumed I wasn't taking my medicine or my therapy seriously because that's not how medication works.
1: <laughs> All right. And, and, and I just want to, you know, step back and think, you know, well, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to you. I appreciate you asking my question to me because it really does help me clarify what's going on but. And make me step back and and think about this a minute. You know, like, why would a supposedly Christian church where love and charity and tolerance and compassion should be brimming, should be overflowing, where people's weaknesses should be gently addressed? You know, there, there's so many scriptures in the New Testament which speak to how Christian communities should interact and love and and, lo- and love to one another, and then also care for one another, Just despite personal differences, despite yeah. personal struggles. I mean, the, the community based upon the love of God is it should exhibit a patience and an understanding. That seems absolutely alien. I mean, it's not here. It's absent. It's, it doesn't even have any place to to, to to gain traction here when you tell me that they're going to have you be kicked out of a ministry house. Uh, simply because you're having, we're having mood issues. You're having struggles with your, with your meds. You didn't know. They, and they took no time to slow down and discuss this with you. Did you, did you even bring this up with them? But they, you know, that you're having trouble with them, with the medications. I mean, what happened after that?
2: Um, so I decided, um, I think this is now the year 2015. I'd been (laughs) on the Wellbutton for a while and I just was like, there's, I don't know why I'm not getting better. So I actually went to Ohio State Wexner Center to get like, not admitted, but to ask for help. Um, and they ended up admitting me because they thought that I was suicidal, even though I wasn't. Um, and that kind of was a turning point because that's what they put me on Mexipro, and that was the medication that really helped me. Okay. Um, just learn about a lot of stuff, but okay. I just remember, um, yeah, having that conversation of like, hey. And it, it kind of, I can see where they're coming from because, you know, I'm supposed to be taking this medication and I'm not doing better. So they probably are just going to think that I'm not taking it, but just maybe even sitting down and kind of like looking at how like medication for antidepressants, like how that works would have been better. But so, yeah, I ended up going to the hospital and then getting um, two different medications of Lexapro and then another one, but I didn't take that for a while. Um, and then things started looking good. Until they didn't. <laughs> it was it so was it was like a month of goodness, and then it all went downhill again.
1: Really? So you you had a you had a, uh, a, a an advance. I mean, it helped you. It helped you. It helped clear. I guess a lot of the the influences were were clearing. You began <laughs> to feel on an even keel uh personally, you know, and, and and you began to feel at least at least better. Even though, of course, you're still dealing with the issues. At least you can you can breathe a little bit, you know. So. And that's a good takeaway is that if, if there's anyone listening and you are, you've been to a therapist and you've been to someone and you're on medication and they're not working for you, uh, it's important to let them know that they're not. Yes. It's, it's important to get with your doctor and let them know, hey, uh, this isn't working for me. Let me explain to you why. And then tell them, is there something else you can try? There's all kinds mm-hmm. of things to try. When, and if you don't know that you, that you have that ability, then sometimes you won't act on it and then, when you're in a place like Xenos and you're not – and you are trying to hold together, you're struggling so hard, you know, to, you know, to be cheerful and chipper the way they want you to be. You're not able to do it. You just can't summon it up when you need to do it. They're going to look at you in a very sideways manner down their nose and say, oh, what's wrong with you? You, 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 you? What kind of sin are you struggling with? You know, mm-hmm. and, and that's something that I hope people listening will come away with. That, Listen, if you're struggling, uh, it's okay. All right? Uh, just get some more help. It's, and then yeah. and you, you got that. And so, therefore, you said things went well for a month. And so what happened yeah. after that?
2: Um, this is 2015. I'm just trying to make sure everything is, like, you know, right. But the person that I first studied with was moving to the adult group. So then I got switched over to another girl. Um, And she got engaged. So we ended up going to this new group called Vinyl, Um, so that was just a whirlwind because I was with people that I knew for a while and I was going to the new group with a couple of people that I knew. Um, but one, the people I was going with, I had no relationship whatsoever. Like the, I think the three girls, I did, we did not like each other. (laughs) Um, so there wasn't really any friendship. So even though I knew them, I was going to a new group with literally no friends. Um, with a bunch of people who I don't know um, and then the other people we just did not like each other you know Mm. And so that was really new for me. Um, and the craziest thing about that is I actually was supposed to I decided that I wanted to go to another group with my friend Megan. Um uh, bless her heart. I love her so much. Um, but then I was like, maybe this is God challenging me, being like, Hey, maybe you should go out of your comfort zone and go with the three girls and learn how to like build a relationship with them, a godly relationship. Um, and I will say I feel like if I went with Megan, my experience would have been, I would have still laughed, but my experience would have been a lot better because Megan is really a true champion. But yeah. So went to vinyl and then that's when things just became more chaotic for me. Um, Just, Not really understanding discipleship because my first discipler, she, we would get in screaming matches, like I kid you not, like yelling at each other. So I assume that's what disciplers did. So when I was upset with my new discipler, I would yell at her because I was like, that's what me and my last one did. Um, but just turns out my first discipler just didn't know what she was doing in terms of like, talking to me in a respectful manner. Um, so it kind of passed down, and I just assumed, like, oh, this is how I'm supposed to communicate my feelings. That's oh my goodness, do, right? Yeah, it was wild. Wow. And I'm sure my second disciple was like, what is wrong with her? And I was like, it's because this is what I'm used to. I was with that person for a year and a half, and that's all we did was yell. <laughs> so it was really toxic.
1: Man, so you <laughs> – so – Wow. I mean, this, I mean, this year, what you're saying isn't surprising, but it's always saddening to hear about how people who you think were going to be your mentors and faith and helping you grow and, and, and achieve a level of spiritual mastery and, and growth and development really just ended up resorting back to, you know, the most, uh you know, the most common denominator of humanity, and that's the, you know, really – break down and fight with somebody over what they think they, they should do. And, and that's, I, I don't know why, why in Xenos it doesn't seem to, it doesn't seem to clear people, uh, other than to say that, you know, for people to accept that level of, of, of toxicity as normal is because of the fact that they don't know better is that Xenos doesn't, doesn't develop people in, in any other way than the chaos, uh, chaos theory uh, of, 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 of 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 conflict, uh, mm-hmm. people are I, I, you know. This, there's a certain amount of tension, as as Dennis would likely call it, Dennis McCallum, that people should be under, but 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 you know that should be for the most part very minimal. In terms of challenging people, challenging people should not be what you major on when you disciple. There should be a freedom for you to be yourself, and for, and for each person to understand the other in a respectful manner. Uh, into the Bibles again, so full of scriptural mandates about how we are to treat one another. But you're saying no. This is what was going on. Uh, you thought you you learned that that disciples yell at you, and you can <laughs> yell back. And you can fight over personal growth development. That's just that's just beyond belief. Uh, but but it's what happens in in Xenos all the time, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I've heard a lot of people have had really bad experiences with their disciples and have said, been told some
1: really really rude and disrespectful things. So yeah,
2: It's me upset.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's 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 not even it's, it's this isn't this isn't discipleship. Uh, it's, it's a conditioning. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's a breaking session. They're trying to get you to, to be molded into their image ruthlessly, no matter what it takes. So, so you went to the second discipling situation. You found them yelling and screaming at you. So, so, and, and, and I guess that's where all the, uh, the heat began to build. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so the second Discipler in vinyl, um, we did not get along. <laughs> like I said, I came with her and then two other girls that were under her. Um, and our personalities just never really matched. Um, but we were we vowed to like really try, you know, having a good friendship. But with her, it was a disconnect yeah. because I already didn't like her because she was the one who told me, like, if I didn't get my stuff together, I would be kicked out. So I kind of already had this bitterness towards her. And two, um, like, even though my first discipler was just really um, toxic, I will say that it was really beneficial for me, especially at a young age, to have someone who understood what I went through. Um, and with my second disciple it was kind of hard because she didn't have I don't want to say she had a perfect life but like she grew up really like in a nice area and like she didn't really understand like mental health to the extent that like my first one did and of course she didn't understand the sexual abuse stuff so it was just really hard like talking about God and being open about that and learning how to process that on my own mentally but also in biblically if that makes sense like how not to be upset at God or how not to be bitter. Like, what does that look like? Like, I was asking so many questions of, like, how could God do this and things like that, you know? So it was a lot of just back and forth, and we just really didn't see eye to eye um, yeah. for a long time, I will say.
1: Okay. So um, as, as you went on, obviously, in this very irritative environment, did it get any better? <laughs> I mean, uh, how, how did you finally work your way through that?
2: Um, so Ronnie, I had really good they were really good people. I met Ronnie, and then my friend I talked about before Megan um and I had two other girls, Raven and Mimi. They helped me a lot with that kind of stuff because Um, three of the four went through very similar things that I went through, um, and, or like understood mental health. So having them as friends and all four of them were walking with God longer than I was. So I was like kind of learning from them and then still studying with my discipler, if that made sense. Mm -hmm. So in that aspect, it was good, but I think because I don't, I want to phrase this correctly. But like I stated when I first was talking about, like, how I got involved in Zenos, like, I wanted to feel love, I wanted to feel appreciated, and I wanted to be respected. And so I saw who, of course, got the most respect, people who were discipling people, people who were doing um secondary ministry and people who were leaders. And so I kid you not, from, I think, 2016, maybe until 2019-ish, so three years, I strive so hard to attain those things because— I noticed the respect that I got was different from the respect that people who were in those positions got. Um, So it was less of walking with God and learning about him and more of like, I need to get five disciples so I can be respected. I need to be a leader. I need to be taking these classes. Because even though people say that you don't get special treatment when you have those things, that is 100% false. I've seen it. um, And I see how people get treated when they are in those secondary ministries or when they're leaders or when they're teaching or whatever. Um, so because I was such a person who just craved that attention and that respect, that's what I was going for. And that burnt me out. Mm. Um, and it sucks because I don't think they understand that the way that they put like, um, what is the word? Um, labels on people, like that affects people in Xenos because that's what they try to attain. It seems like it's more about those labels than actually reaching people who are lost and want to know about God.
1: So it it was a stereotyping that you felt that they put you on. I guess that's the word you're looking for. They 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 they, they stereotype you as being X as you be person X and personality scheme Y, you know uh, so they figured they they could uh just go ahead and categorize you and figure out exactly who you were and so therefore they were going to do X y and Z after that and it it's said uh, you know that you know you had such a terribly terribly personal and and, and pressing uh and horrific thing that to take place. In your life and, and you were struggling with that going in and, and you couldn't hold it any further. You couldn't hide it any further. You tried to get help and, uh, in, in the middle of all this mess, there is, there's not the respect that you should have gotten from, from Xenos in terms of being a person that struggles because again, uh, that's something that we, we, we think you, you should be getting as a result of, of being under the care of a spiritual mentor. And Mm -hmm. a a group of people who are supposed to be your, your co-work, your um, co-residents in life, but that you're telling me, what you're hearing me is is not the experience. And whatever disciple you did get, you got from friends, uh, who were, who you, who you found and and really began to be the support that you needed. Mm -hmm. That's very sad. I'm glad you got that, but it's sad that you got it in spite of all of this, all this, uh, well, brightly colored stuff that Zeno says it's there to be for people in their lives. It's it's sad to hear. So, uh, but you did get help. And I guess at that point that you hung in there because your friends were also, you know, making a decision to stick, to stick it out too, right?
2: Yes. Yeah. And I was really grateful because I had met Ronnie. And then I also... Later on in vinyl became close with a girl named Kylie as well. Um, and she also experienced depression. So it was good just being able to talk to those two people. Um, and a lot of stuff happened in vinyl, but my mind wasn't really focused on that because like I said, I was trying to achieve those goals, um, of having all those labels so that I could feel respected and be respected. Um, but then, um, my life once again came to kind of like a, a big halt because um I feel like you know this but they do this thing called splitting um and so I ended up splitting away from both Ronnie and Kylie and I was like I don't even know if I'm going to be able to still be in Xenos because like they were like I don't want to say my foundation but they like really helped me through a lot um so all of my friends who I had made that connection with were no longer like in my group and so
1: Splitting okay. yeah, splitting for those who who may just tune in and aren't aware about what Xenos does, Xenos being a college based, largely college based focused ministry, as they call themselves, uh they seek to develop communities of, of men and women all over the area there. And then, but they also feel free to tinker with them and experiment with them, so as to fudge your numbers and make it seem as if they're actually growing more than they actually are. So they, so at any time, anyone in a in a ministry community, small group, a community, whether it's in living in a house or a small group or a subgroup, at any time, anybody within that environment can be uh, arbitrarily assigned to go live. Or, or go live, or go minister, or go fellowship with a whole bunch of people they don't even know, and that's what mm-hmm. that, and those are the conditions you you've been talking about, and they call that splitting, and and then that's how you lost connection with with Ronnie and and everybody else.
2: Yes, um, and I still hung out with them. I think I hung out with Ronnie probably every other week, and then Kylie every week, and then my other friends as well, but. You know, NZNESS as well, like once you're in a new group or whatever group you're in, you're also supposed to be like kind of building that friendship and that rapport with those people. So you kind of are like, you're not forced to be their friends, but more so of like, hey, you're in this new group. It's smart if we're all, you know, serving together for you to get to know them. So then my time with my other friends wasn't as, you know, often because I'm learning all these like probably 20 people who are coming from this new group. Um, So that we could serve well together. So that was just really hard for me, and I was like, I don't know how I'm supposed to do this.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah, that was certainly distressing. I mean, you you just you're finally trying to fit in. You're trying to deal with your issues, and uh, so what? What year was this going on? Was this like the third or fourth year you were there with Zenos?
2: Oh yes. So I think when I split into Columbia, it was. 2018 so now we're at because I was in vinyl for about three and a half years um the first one was like a year and a half and then I was in Colombia the beginning I believe of 2018 okay being correct but that group I won't lie was my favorite because the people that we got um there's this girl named Jenna Desenzo she came into our group, and she was like a literal godsend. Like, she helped me with a lot of things, and I love and appreciate her dearly. And though I still have my problems with God and, you know, don't know if I believe that He exists, like, the fact that she came into my life and helped me with so many things, even though she didn't experience them, that's when I was like, oh, this is what Christianity looks like. Like, this is how you help people, even if you haven't been through things like that. Um, and so I had sat down with her and told her that I had like a huge burden to work in secondary ministry and her and her fiance well they might have been married by this time um Matt uh were in a group called FCA um and so I joined that and things were great until I remember Matt and I will never forget this comment and I no hate or like ill will to him like he didn't mean anything by it, but he had told me that he was nervous to come to Columbia because he had heard that I was crazy. And that broke my heart yes. because I knew that when I first came around and even in vinyl, I was going through a lot of stuff and I won't lie. I was hard because that was the first time in 22 years that I was learning about my abuse. So not only am I talking about it every week, I'm trying to navigate how to process that and heal through that. So of course, things like, you know, someone not doing their dishes or whatever might flip me off more than the average person. And I get, you know, people could have been upset, but to for him to tell me that other people were talking behind my back, calling me crazy because of that was just like, wow, like maybe you should have sat down and been like, hmm, Mila was abused and learning about this and trying to heal yeah. through this. Maybe I should give her what God calls grace, but I don't know. <laughs> maybe people don't like that anymore.
1: You think, so, you, 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 you know, you think you would expect that from people who are supposedly poised towards giving grace. I mean, it's, again, it just, Basic ABCs of, of, of the Christian faith. Aren't we supposed to offer love, care, get forgiveness right. towards all? It doesn't right. matter whether whether where they go with us or not. We're supposed to supply the love and care that Christ would have us to give to us to all people at all times. But it, it just that doesn't seem to be the the, the game plan in Xenos at all. Yeah. every place I have been, every person i've spoke with they've said basically the same thing that 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 aspect of grace when a person is down and out when they're when they're laying flat on their back when, when they're struggling when they're hurting uh the people would rather just talk about them they'd rather mm-hmm. judge them they'd rather and, and most of all they 'd rather punitively uh sentence them to being cast out from among them because because of their issues. Maybe, I mean, like, like you said, I think it might have been a, a good idea for people to understand that if, you know, you are a victim of, of abuse, that you, you, you step back several inches or several feet and you say, okay, I'm going to slow down. I'm, I'm going to walk carefully with this person and I, I want to help them in the way I can. That just, that's just not something Xenos does though. I mean, yeah. uh, I mean, I can't imagine, you know, I mean, I, I can't even imagine what kind of a burden you have to bear when, when you're a member of your own family, sexual abuses you. I mean, does these whatever? I mean, we're not going to get into what they did, but it's bad enough to know that that such things happen, and then, and then your family doesn't even isn't even aware of it. There's there's no accountability, and what it does to you personally is is without. Is, is without question, a uh, profoundly effective, a profoundly disturbing, profoundly saddening thing. It's something that crushes you mm-hmm. and you're struggling to do, pull yourself together and, and you can't even get enough room to even breathe, uh, right. uh through it all. I mean, and, and, and people would rather go ahead and talk about you. And, and, you, and what your experience is, is certainly not uncommon. It, it happens, it seems all the time uh in 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 places where people should expect love and care and hope they get it and they don't and I'm sorry that 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 took place and uh so obviously being outraged you heard you were what 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 was the next step after that how did you how did you work through that situation
2: honestly i'm not gonna lie i really i kind of just I don't want to say let it go. I remember speaking to people about it, um my friends, the ones who I like really did trust and um who never I never felt judged by. Um and they told me of course that I was wrong and I knew that. Um but I kind of was just, you know, when you hear something and you're like, I feel like this goes on. Like, I felt like gossiping go- went on because I, I remember learning stuff about people I never knew. And I was like, why am I knowing this information? But I never thought it would be about me. So then when, and that was just me, you know, uh, being naive. <laughs> so when I heard that from someone, I was like, wow. The only people that I know that he knows were supposed to be my closest friends at that time. So I'm then assuming that those two girls must have told him something or, like, where else would he have heard about me being crazy since they are the ones that have experienced my, um, I guess I would say, me being hard besides them, if that makes sense. So that was like really hard for me, but I was really in my learning how to forgive because I was seeing a a therapist again. And I also was seeing Bev Delashmet. And so we were going on over, you know, what it looks like to be a victor and a victim and what forgiveness looks like. And so I was just trying to learn how to forgive. But in reality, I know what I was doing wasn't forgiveness because I was still allowed to be mad. I'm allowed to be upset if someone's gossiping about me. Like, forgiveness isn't just me forgetting about it. It's just learning how to, like, move through it and still talk to that person. Um, when I say talk to that person, I mean, like, bring it up and be like, hey, I heard you did this, so-and-so. So, um I think yeah, once again, I was around 2018. Um, and then at that time I was like dating. So there was just like a lot of stuff going on that I was trying to navigate. And I was like, all of this is new to me. And I was like, well, these are things that I wanted. I wanted to be in a secondary ministry. I wanted to be in a relationship. So maybe things are good, you know? Um, and so I honestly felt pretty content, um, for a while because I was in a group that, um, did seem like really healthy. Um, but then I think once I got married, which was in 2020, most of my, like, I want to say most of the stuff that I went through is from 2020 to 2022. So that's why a lot of this stuff is kind of like moving so fast because that's where a lot of this trauma happened. Um, but in 2020, I found out that we were once again splitting. And I found out we were splitting away from Jenna and Matt <laughs> And I remember just crying and I was like, oh, I'm crying because I'm going to miss her. But I think I knew that I was crying because I was like, this group is not going to be good without them. I'm not going to feel safe. I'm not going to feel like protected the way I did just because I felt really close and loved by Jenna. And I didn't really see that with other leaders in that group, um, in my opinion. Um, so that was really hard for me um navigating that and then also being married like newlywed. Um so it was a lot. It was a lot going on. And I remember i this is not funny, but I'm laughing. But I remember the week after I came back from my honeymoon, I sat down um, with my husband and I was like, I wanna leave Xenos. And I was like, I felt that I could finally get out because I was with someone who loved me, who I loved. I didn't have to worry about rent or whatever. Like, I was like, I don't want to be here anymore because I'm starting to see the gossiping, the things that I don't agree with, like um the disciplinary meetings, like things that are going on where I'm just like, this doesn't add up. I don't know if this is biblical, and even if it is, it just seems a little too harsh. So I want to go. But of course, I stayed up. I ended up staying for another two years, which... Yeah, you know,
1: sucked. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, right. How did he take that? I mean, here you are. You're being as absolutely, you know, open as you can be with anyone. I mean, you, you can't be open with your husband. Who can you be? But right. you're, you're, you're pouring out your heart to him. You're, you're telling him, well, th- th- this is this is my experience. I, I don't think I, I I need to be here anymore." Uh, mm-hmm. How did he take that?
2: Um, he understood to an extent because he really, I mean, he's a white, he was, a, I don't want to say was, he's a white man. So all of the things that I went through, um, he just never experienced, you know, the racism, understanding like mental health, cause he didn't have mental health problems. So he was trying to be understanding, even though he didn't really see it as much, but he did say there are things that he noticed that he didn't agree with as well, but he kind of was like. More of like, how would it be if I left and he stayed in Xenos, and then I went to another church? So then in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm not trying to be a burden. So here I am. I'm going to suck it up and just kind of get through it. Um, and I would always talk about everything that I did not agree with. Like I wasn't someone who was like, oh, I don't agree with this, but I'm not going to talk about it. I would ask questions and people would provide answers, but I still was like, this does not make sense. And I don't like this. And that's kind of where my anger, like my actual rage, I should say started coming out. Cause I was like talking to a lot more people who had left, you know, like Ronnie and learning the things that people who I thought were like, good sweet kind people and what they did and said to her and I was like wow a lot of the truth is coming out about these people and it's making me feel like some of the stuff they said to me or other people just isn't real or accurate so now I'm like nervous um so yeah once again that was 2020 um and then uh once again I think this is like the fourth time that my group I think this time is disbanded or whatever I think that's what they call it so that's essentially where Um, a bunch of people were going to the adult group and a bunch of people were going somewhere else. So they just decided to dissolve the group. So we kind of had to figure out where we were going. Um, and that was also a great opportunity for me to kind of get out. (laughs) But yet again, I stayed for another two years, which I'm really sad about because, um, that 2020 was hard because one, I had to do that huge, you know, thing with Conrad and Keegan and all of them. But too, I mean that was the kind of heightened thing for Black Lives Matter. And talking about that in Xenos, <laughs> that was interesting. Um I had people who understood But um, I just remember emailing Conrad and I think James, too, about, like, why our church couldn't come out saying Black Lives Matter or, like, stop Asian hate, um, things like that. And then they just responded with – or Conrad responded with it being political But I don't find racism as a political issue. I find that as a human issue. You can't make that a politics thing. Like, you can't say all Democrats are racist or all Republicans are racist. Like, you're just a racist. If you're a racist, it has nothing to do with your political affiliation. So that was hard, having to navigate that. And I'm supposed to be happy because I just got married, but then I'm seeing people who look like me getting killed for no reason. And then the church that I'm in, there were lots of people who just did not see it as a problem. Um, So that's kind of where I say, like, the racism um, was really coming out because just talking to people. um, And some of these people that I spoke to were not in my group. I will say that. I want to make that clear. But just seeing how they responded to this was just like, do you not care, like, about black and brown people or marginalized groups? Um, like, why aren't we having conversations about this? Like, we need to be educated on that, you know, and people did not care. A lot of people did not care about Black Lives Matter, or why people were freaking out about Trump, because he is a terrible person, and people didn't want him to be our president. Um, So I think that's where the whole thing of like, I was in a, a group that, I don't want to say group, but it's like a little Facebook group for people who are black or brown and or like care about racial issues. And we talked about it a lot. We talked about how we had to tell so many members in Xenos not to say the N-word, whether they're saying what's up N-word or they're singing a song and how they didn't understand that how that was a form of racism. You know, people would use the excuse of like, well, they just were brought up like that. And I'm like, or where they lived. And I give the example of Ronnie. Ronnie like grew up in Groveport and Groveport is not a, a nice area, but here she is not saying the N word or calling people the N word. So how can you use that as an excuse? Um, And then people saying like it is an issue but the bigger picture is that we want people to know Christ and that just made me feel like they didn't see that racism and all this hatred and bigotry was something that God cared about because yes I understand biblically that is the big picture to get people into heaven but I also know that a part of that comes with Understanding why saying the N word is harmful and can distract people—not distract people, but keep people away from knowing God—because as God's people, you just keep saying that word and
1: not caring about whose feelings you hurt. Right. Um, Well, you would think the social—the social context that was very much aflame in 2020. You you, you would think that if a you know if the church is supposed to be a prophetic voice. To the world, you think at that point that that it would enter at some point, some discussion, some some level of of um, exploration within Xenos. But what you're telling me is that it never it never was an issue. And in fact, socially within Xenos's social circles and centers, that that people just really played the fool, <laughs> to literally say, by by, by 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 using the N word so frivolously and carelessly. And that there was no discussion of, of, of what was really important, what was going on. Uh, d- d- during that 2020 year, I mean, in central teaching, was, was the, the social issues that were going on ever brought up? Was COVID-19 ever brought up? I mean, what was it like? Were they just going on grinding along, giving Bible studies about X, Y, and Z and, and, and just ignoring what was going on in the world? Is that what you're telling me what was going on?
2: Yeah, I. I don't remember a lot being spoken about COVID-19. I know James had maybe a few central teachings where he talked about slavery, but I mean, at that point, I wasn't really paying attention or going as often because I was fed up with literally every aspect of that church. <laughs> I was like, anything that you say to me, I don't yeah. know how to deem it as biblical because it just doesn't seem like a God who cares about everyone would want you saying things like, Well, yeah, we're not going to say this because it's a political issue or, like, you know, it's not as big as a deal as you're making it seem. Like, I had people say that to me. Yeah, yeah. you, you make, you're made to feel like, Oh, you're just super emotional. Like the kids say now, like, Oh, you're just super soft. Like how's our society so soft? And I'm like, no, I just care about people feeling and getting, uh, not feeling, but getting equity and equality. Like that is a human thing. And I know God wants that for us. So the and, fact that you're saying like, it's not a big issue is, is mind blowing to me.
1: And, and imagine these people you're talking to weren't like Kanye West. They were all white people mm-hmm. telling you, well, why is this a big deal? Why Man. should we worry about that? We're all Man. about the Bible here. When again, again, this is again be, being a person of color myself. I totally get what you're saying, even though the focus has not been so much on Mexicans or Latinos. Uh, it, it does come around when you when you when you start thinking about how people who claim to have the love of God in them can talk so callously about. Those who are refugees, or those who are illegal aliens. Yes, they may be here legally. Yes, they, they should may they should have been here legally. Yes, I can't agree with you more. But, 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 but they're human beings. They 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 got lives. They they're trying to survive. How much compassion can you not have on them? In the same way, when I when I think of of uh, people who are in their industry, like I live I live I live near Chicago. I live just outside Gary. I mean, we are at, at we are at the choke point of, uh, where I-94 uh, crosses the nation and, and gets people from all over, all over to Chicago. So we're very privy to what goes on in the city and there are shootings every day. People killed every day. Uh, and, and, and it's just astonishing at how calloused people can get when they hear about this so much when they hear about that and for some people they like like you like they meant like to say you know oh well maybe it's good for this maybe they'll kill each other maybe they'll, they'll polish each other all off which is absolutely monstrous that's 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 a demonic thing to, to say and think about I mean these are people Christ died for these are people that the gospel should be able to touch and reach out and and, and make a difference in and that's not even an issue, though, with Zeno. Zeno, for all of its discussion about, you know, being uh, a place of racial of equity and, and compassion and, and social justice, really, it's just, it just all hollow. It's all hollow. It's every bit of it is just completely empty of any real worth or any, anything. They're, they're, they're not relevant at this point. They're irrelevant. In fact, they contribute to the problem. And, and I can't blame you for not wanting to, to have anything more to do with it. I can't blame you, so you you lingered another two years and then uh what was the point in which you finally decided you you had to get
2: Um, so that was last year. Um, I realized that my marriage was not (laughs) working. Um, and I left originally because earlier in 2022, I'd lost, um, the woman who raised me. And that was just really hard for me. And I always struggled with God when it came to like, I don't understand why bad things happen to good people, yada, yada, yada. Like that was something like where I was like, just begging him to like, come to me. I like, remember specifically being in my apartment bathroom like crying on the floor being like you've shown yourself to other people can you do that to me and it didn't happen so then i just really i truly lost faith and i remember sitting down right before july or around july 4th and telling people that i was leaving more so because i had like a problem with god um and at the time i wasn't really leaving like i also wanted to leave because i did not like xenos but i will say that god me having bitterness towards him was first, but like a lot of people, once you leave Xenos and you see things and you sit back and you say, "Wait a freaking minute, this is not okay and this is not healthy," that's yeah. when you start being like, "Wow, that experience was way more shittier than I ever thought it was as yeah. I was going through it." Yeah. Um. And so I just got more and more angry because I am a part of a Facebook group where we people who have left Xenos and we talk about experiences um there and then just speaking to people in person who left. Like hearing what they went through, like I'm very, very grateful that I had people like Ronnie, people like Raven and Mimi, like people friends who were outside of Zenos and um my friends who are in Xenos who I do still talk to, like I had that community still where there are some people who went through really traumatic things and ended up leaving and had no one because everyone that they ever became friends with were in that church. And I, it broke, I like broke down crying the other day talking to Ronnie about it because it's just like, I had so, and still have so much anger towards Xenos, but I have so much sadness too because it's like, there are things that are happening where I'm just like, this is, I don't understand how you think that this is a biblical thing to do. And so it's like, yes, the gossiping is terrible. And yes, the racism is terrible. And I hate every single aspect of like, People who told me that it wasn't that big of a deal. Like I think that they suck as people. Like I don't think that's okay. um But the biggest thing that I realized is that I left, and I knew that I also was still a part of the, pro- a part of the problem. So while I was in Zena, I was like, I know that I hurt people's feelings. I know that I said things that are, are bad. But I think that's the difference between those of us who left and those who are still in there, because it doesn't seem that they see what they did or what they're doing is a problem. Right. Like. I don't ever want people to think that I'm sitting here being like, Oh yeah, I didn't do anything wrong. And Xenos. like, no, I want people to call me out because that's what we're supposed to be. Like as Christians and just as people, like, I want to learn from my mistakes. And I feel like that I have, and I feel like people have reached out to me and told me things that I've done. And I offer them like, Hey, if you don't want to forgive me, you don't have to like, as a like Christian, I know that you guys believe in forgiveness, but I'm like, if you don't want to, you don't have to speak to me. Like I get what I did to you and I really am sorry about that, but I know sorry can't change a lot of the things that people do to people. Yeah. So it yeah. was just like eye opening, being like, wow, like, I had posted something on my Instagram and on TikTok about a friend that I knew who was sexually let me she was raped by outreach um and she was going through it um but rightfully so because that's really freaking traumatic um and she had reached out to her roommates and you know was like I just need my community I need my friends um and of course she was drinking a lot more doing a lot more wild things because her brain is not processing that she was just you know, taken advantage of and raped, you know, by someone who she was trying to give the gospel to, you know, and what did those people decide to do? They decided that it would be best for her to move out of the ministry house. And she like begged the senior leaders, begged her leaders and her roommates, and they ultimately were like, I'm sorry, you have to go. And I... Okay. Will not I literally think that
1: is such an evil thing to do. It is. You know that
2: someone went through that and then you just are like, Okay, well that's not our problem anymore. Bye. Yeah.
1: You're damaged <laughs> goods. We don't want you around anymore. You didn't credit the best quality check. Get out of here.
2: Like yeah. it is I don't I can't fathom. And that's not even the only story. Like there are multiple people who came forward and were like, yeah, this happened to my friend while we were in high school group. Or like, yeah, this also happened to me where I was sexually assaulted by another member and nothing got done. And you're like. How can you call yourself a church if you're allowing things like that to happen and then saying, oh, well, how do you know that happened? Or how do you know they're not telling the truth or blah, blah, blah? It's like because they have hard evidence, and I am going to believe someone who was abused. Like it I don't know why you're trying to defend yourselves instead of just being like let's fight for justice. Is, this is unacceptable yeah. because we all know that God would not want that to just be swept under the rug. He would want something to
1: be done about that. Absolutely. Um, exactly. I mean, that's part of the social mandate of, of the Christian faith, as to speak the truth with love, to speak without fear, to to, to do it in such a way where that people are served by it. Uh, and, and you know, it's it's just really sad, Mila, that you know you're telling me these things. But there, I, but after a year of listening to people tell me stories, it no longer surprises me that that the victims. Of violence within, within sexual violence, marital violence, uh, people who, who have been, uh, terribly used, uh, can, can they can't expect, they're gonna come hopefully expecting grace and mercy from a place like Xenos. And of course, they don't get it. Unless, of course, they belong to that upper crust of leadership and that they know somebody, in which case, those things will be looked over, maybe some counsel will be paid for, maybe, maybe the police will be I've learned, but friend, as far as I know, Xenos really is has absolutely no track record, no track record of of uh, um. There's there's nothing with Xenos that has taught me to expect that they would know how to do the right thing when it happens. They don't know what to do when somebody's raped. They 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 they, they, they know only one thing: hide it, yeah. crazy yeah. and blame, you know. I mean, I mean, put the victim out. Hide it, cleanse it, especially if it involves somebody else within the church, because they don't want bad press coming out. That's what it comes down to. It's 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 all the PR, it's all the image, and that's and that's unfortunately. And, and I'm, again, I'm I'm just so sorry to say this, but unfortunately, that has been what you have been exposed to in in a, in a movement that supposedly stands for truth, but does nothing remotely like that. Uh, I'm so it, sorry. For that.
2: Yeah, it's my, and it's, like, I wish that I was not positioned to, of, like, realizing how terrible these things are, but, like, you just get so sucked in, and you're just, like, these people love me, and then they're extending this grace, and yada, yada, yada. Side note, a lot of times where they say, you know, they're giving grace, they love to tell you that they did that, and I feel like that's not someone extending grace. Like, you shouldn't have to be, like, hey, I extended you grace. Like, you should just do it and not talk about it. Yeah. But it's, like, you, it it really is hard leaving because I mean, especially like for people who have been in it for so long, like you build these friendships and you think they're real. And it's like, once you leave, like I had two people reach out to me while I was going through a divorce. Like that is a terrible thing. Like, no one, it doesn't matter. Like what kind of like situation you're in. If you're going through a divorce, like that's a hard thing. And like, crickets. I tell you, I kid you not. People would like, while I was still in Xenos, oh, I love you. I care for you so much. I want you to grow. And then going through something traumatic as like, you know, not only losing my aunt, but also like getting divorced and like, no one reached out to me. And people were like, well, phone works two ways. And I'm like, well, if someone's going through something that is traumatic, like, of course, you should be the one who's not going through that traumatic thing, reaching out to that person. Yeah, I mean, because right. It's hard. They don't want to feel like a burden. Like, of course, I'm going to feel like a burden. I've been felt like a burden for so many years in this church, you know, like, why couldn't you just go out of your way after telling me 400 freaking times that you love me to say, Hey, Mila, I know you're going through a divorce. How are you? Nothing. And I'm like, how how can you tell me that you love me? How can you tell people who have been through things like this that you love them, but then once they leave, it's nothing. Like, it's like all eight years of building a friendship is gone. And I'm like, wow, there's no way we were friends in the first place, you know? So it's just, it's heartbreaking. And it's like things that are big like that, that make me really just dislike Xenos, but things that are small. Like, you know, there were times while we had outreach and they would be dating someone or they would decide if they wanted to go to a school that's not in Columbus. And people would pray like, God, if it's in your will, I pray that they break up or I pray that they don't get in the school or decide not to go to the school. And I'm like, do you people think that Zenos is the only church that exists? Like people can go to California and go to UCLA and still learn about God. Like we, I don't understand why you could sit here and say like, you want this person to break up with them or not to get this job so that they can come out to meetings. Right. That's not a Christian thing to do. Why are we saying things like that, you
1: know? Well, because the, the New Jerusalem does is in Cecebus. You know that, right? It's, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, heaven really is only found. The gates are only right there located on, at OSU, right? In, in right. right. Because right. that's <laughs> practically how they want people to believe. You can only find God by physically coming to the only place where true fellowship can be found. And that's going to be in Xenos. And of course, once you get there, you get emotionally involved. Again, they redefine what grace is. Grace is just undeserved kindness. It's just somebody loving you regardless of what you are or who you are. They're just giving you the best they can. And that's not what, that's not what happens in Xenos whatsoever. You, they may call it grace, but what it really is, is this grudging kind of tolerance of you. And you maybe, as long as you can get on the good side of people and, and trip them the right way and, and get them to, to uh, accept you, uh, and you're able to get them at, at a right point where they're able to just, just, just deal with you, that to me is the kind of opportunity that they want to extend you. Oh, we'll let you back in, so we can then go ahead and put you through the same thing over and over again, so we can daily decide if, you, if we can if we can stand you around us. That's what grace is in Zenos. That's not what Scripture says. The scripture says God's kindness. I mean, the kindness you would have towards a baby kitten, you mm-hmm. know, walking across the street. Limping, wet, soaked. A car is ready to run down. Crush it. You can walk past that little thing, or you can just reach out to to something that cannot help you. Something has no power to interact with you. And you can reach out. You can pull that poor little thing out of the the gutter and dry her off and and get her some help. That's that's what's called. That's what grace is. In, In Xenos, they would have put that. They would have took a glue and pushed that thing around in the middle of a traffic to turn it into a, to, to, to totally destroy her. Yeah. But that's, that to me is, is, it's just, it's monstrous. It's, it's not even under, it, you, I can't even call it a church. It's, it's not. That's why we call it a cult. You know, the Bible says in Galatians 6-2, we're to bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. Christ's law, his commandments is that we care for one another right. and, and bear them up. That's not what you got. It's because, and It's sad because Xenos can't give what it does not know anything about. It mm. can't arise to what it does not have. So I'm not giving them an at whatsoever. I mean, you have, here you have the greatest so-called minds of, of the Christian faith by Dennis McCallum and Gary DeLash and all these other people for generations should know this and are not. They're, they're creating this monstrous religious machine that expects you to fit in as a cog, and if not, then, then, then you're out the door. And, uh, I'm just sorry that it was your life, and there's yours, and yours are so many, Mia, you know, that I have had to face that. And, uh, all of you should be deserved and loved and cared for. And, 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 and you're not getting it. And I, I'm just so sorry to hear that. So, and your marriage you couldn't survive that, from what I understand, you see, you, you, you're, you're divorcing now, and, and, uh, yeah. you've you moved on.
2: Mm-hmm. I am much happier. The craziest thing about all this, which you probably are like, oh, yeah, I assume. Literally, as, like, when I left Xenos, I know I still have depression and stuff like that, but everything got so much better. Everything. Like, my mental health has never been this as good as it is now. Mm -hmm. And it makes me wonder if, like, okay, yeah, I know I have these things, but, like, it had to be that Xenos played people in Xenos and Xenos as a whole played a part of that and how it was so rough because how is it that I leave and like my life is I, my life is a lot better, but my mental health is just so much more better, you know so oh, yeah like I don't think about ever harming myself or suicide or anything like that. and I thought about those things maybe daily or like you know weekly when I was in Xnas and now it's like those thoughts are gone. Yeah. And it's because you have so much pressure that's put on you to be this good spiritual person. And when you're going through hardships, you're supposed to depend on God. And if, you know, you kind of fail when you leave or like it, it it's just a lie. And it sucks that so many people were going through so many things and kind of like, okay, well, you're supposed to be depending on God. And, and it's like, well, when I'm not having it hard or when, when I'm not able to do that because I'm so bitter at God, like, I feel like yeah. I would want my friends to be with me. But they're kind of like, okay, bye. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like
2: We don't talk to you anymore. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Thanks.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you're no longer submitting yourself to the attentions and to the control and to the conditioning of a system that, that in the end doesn't care about you. You're there to be a human cog. And, and it works. You know, it's, it's, it, it's, it's simply the fact that you, you, you were grinding with what they call grinding the gears. Okay. You were, <laughs> you were trying to get things to work. And, and, and of course you were the one suffering, feeling the pressure. You were the one feeling that absolute uh, devastation when you when you couldn't engage them properly. And then, they, then you were the one made, you were the one made to feel like you were the one never caught that was had the problem, whether really all along. Let's let's assign the blame where it needs to go. You were brought up you were you trusted a system that that was that should lead that's that never seemed to indicate that it was untrustworthy. It was a church, right? It was all these smiling people, right? It was all this and a bag of chips. And uh you ended up trusting it. But now you've moved on. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm glad glad to hear that. So so um so are you still taking are you still getting therapy for all of this? I mean, is this something you're still getting help for?
2: Um, well, so when I left Xenos, I was doing great. My therapist was like, You can graduate and all the trauma stuff from like trauma that affected me and then hearing other people's stories didn't settle in yet. So I'm still looking for a therapist now because okay. of the wait list is so long. But right. yeah. I feel like it sucks because I'm, everyone who's left has had to go through intensive therapy because
1: of the stuff that has happened. Right.
2: And it, crazy. It's sad.
1: It, it is. It is. It's just, this is not a Christian. I, I will tell you, Mila, as, as a Christian, minister, this is not biblical Christian faith. This, this, is, this is, this is, this is the, this is the mechanism of a cult that has, mm-hmm. that has ruthlessly, uh, used you. But, uh, but you've, you've looked up, you've smelled the pizza. <laughs> you see what's going on, like and you see where things are. And uh, I, I commend you for your courage, for, for for standing for what you know is right, uh, even when you weren't certain. You you stood for what was right, and that you're and that you're certainly on the way to recovery. Keep keep looking for that therapist. They are worth. Yes. Uh, they are worth every every bit of the discussion, and uh, we'll hope that you'll you'll get in there. Pretty soon, therapists are 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 are, are the um are good ones and, and good ones. You know, you know you sometimes you may have to experiment with a relationship with them. I mean, every every therapist you get into, you you establish a relationship with, and you and you and sometimes some relationships work better than others, but but it's but they're they're worth the work and a good one that can help you walk through the dark shadows in your life. It's certainly, some, someone worth worth the waiting for, and so, and I'm I really am glad that uh, you uh, uh, just so readily uh, uh, offered yourself to, to share on these very things. So, um, in, in closing, when uh, we like to do this uh, on, our, on our podcast, when we we feature personal testimonies, we 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 invite people to maybe leave a final thought, and maybe there's someone behind listening maybe some of the folks and friends you left behind that uh -hmm. you'd like to leave a message to um that that's up to you you don't have to but is there something you'd you'd like to say in closing uh to someone there or or maybe just some final thoughts you'd like to share yourself i'm going to give you the last few minutes here and uh and actually go go ahead and share share as you feel led
2: okay Yes, um, I will say that there were some great times that I did have in Xenos, but I won't I don't want that to overshadow the trauma that this church has caused to many people. Um, and to anyone who's listening who's still there and is struggling with any kind of traumatic um events or any kind of mental health, like like we were just talking about, like therapy is very much needed. And if you don't feel appreciated or cared for or loved for my inbox is always open. I want to talk to people. I want people to feel like they are valid and they are know that they are meant to be here. Um, and then finally, um, I know that there are good people. So I know people like Megan and the descenzos and I mean, so many more people like the Yensels, like great, amazing, incredible people like who have been a part of my life and have shaped me in the best ways they possibly could. Um, but I just feel like I have no more faith in that church becoming, a, I guess, a church or a better organization because all the people who put in this hard work don't have those labels of elders or senior leaders. So if you're listening, which I doubt any of the senior leaders or elders are, just know that this church has caused so much harm and so much trauma. And if you really do care about people, whether they are Christians or not, and you care about God, then you need to sit down and reevaluate how this church runs and what this organization does to people. Um, thankful for everyone who I've met. Um, and those of you who i no longer talk to i hope you learn a lesson from this too like don't just assume that because everything's going your way or every, everything looks good right. that your
1: church or your organization is good mm-hmm. that makes
2: sense so yeah
1: absolutely and i kind of mean that, amen that more mila i mm-hmm. mean that's exactly where we stand as a christian minister who has always just wanted to be about preaching the gospel and pastoring and helping, uh, people get through life by coming to know God in a, in a deeper way. I've had to back up and, and turn around and be in this work where I'm calling churches out for their sin. And that's exactly what, what, what these podcasts are. They're means, they're a means of grace because, because God's kindness is reaching out through these podcasts to these leaders to remind them, Hey, Uh, things aren't what you think they are. Uh, the the Bible says, what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God? None of this is happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the from the leadership topwards down, from 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 Dennis McCallum all the way down to the lowliest uh, church leader, the lowliest home group leader. It doesn't matter. People are not getting the message of the gospel the, of of the mercy of God out. Instead, they're inflicting people with these hideously di- uh, damaging dynamics. And you are all responsible for that. And uh, at some point, the the Lord's will. Act sovereignly in a way that, that is going to surprise, I think, you, know, you me and you <laughs> and be able to show to you who's really in charge of the people that you say, uh, you're a leader over. And, uh, we're hoping to see that his justice will indeed prevail here. Uh, it's certainly that it's a time for that to take place. And Mila, thank you so much for coming on, providing for us a very deep and dark look into some very very ugly things going on there but uh things that that need to be brought to the light and discussed and thought about and repented over by those who've been involved mila once again thanks for coming on thank to you next.
0: thank you thanks for listening today as we explore just where are we going Our prayer is that you have been encouraged and strengthened and, if necessary, challenged in your daily journey through life. Jesus is coming. You can fall with the night or you can rise with the sun. The choice is yours. You can email us with questions and comments at feedback at spiritwatch.org. And if you need urgent personal spiritual help, email us at help at spiritwatch.org. We look forward to hearing from you. Please follow our podcasting at our Facebook page and our website at spiritwatch.org. This podcast is a production of Spirit Watch Ministries, taking heed that no man deceives you.
1: He's a liar. The demon is a liar. He will like to confuse us, but he will also mix lies with the truth to attack us.